0: that you will prepare us now to hear and receive your word. God, preach through my personality and make my preaching practical. For it's in your name and the name of your powerful son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. I'd like to just share for a brief moment around the subject, hearing and answering the call. Drawing from 1 Samuel, the third chapter. In your hearing now, I'll lift a few of those verses from the New Revised Standard Version, beginning at verse 1 and then hopping down to verse 7. In verse 1 of 1 Samuel, the third chapter, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. Hearing and answering the call. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In Martin Luther King Jr.'s 1963 book, Strength to Love, he shares a collection of sermons, including one that he calls a knock at midnight. Drawing from Luke, the 11th chapter, verses five through six, King explores the text, which says, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Martin Luther King uses this parable there in Luke 11 about this knock on the door at midnight to look at the role of the church in grappling with contemporary problems concerning justice, as well as the figurative midnight in the world with the deep darkness that makes it hard to see which way to go. While King had this idea for a book of sermons in 1957, it didn't really come to fruition until early 1963 as he was preparing for the Birmingham campaign. King's sermon, A Knock at Midnight, outlines that humanity was experiencing a midnight in the social order. Where, as he says, on the international horizon, nations are engaged in a colossal bitter contest for supremacy. Sounds familiar. King declared that it is a midnight within the psychological order, where everywhere paralyzing fears harrow people by day and haunt them by night. Deep clouds of anxiety and depression are suspended in our mental skies, says King. King also noted that it was a midnight in the moral order, because, as he says, at midnight colors lose their distinctiveness and become a sullen shade of gray. Moral principles have lost their distinctiveness. We were, then and now, in a midnight in the moral order. It is in this midnight hour, King declared, that humanity is more focused on what he calls the 11th commandment, thou shalt not get caught, where the cardinal sin is to be caught, and the cardinal virtue is to get by. Yet the darkness of midnight is interrupted by the sound of a knock at the door and a request for bread. In our text that I've lifted, Samuel is a young priest serving the Lord under the leadership and mentorship of the prophet Eli. The text explains that the word of the Lord was rare during this time and the people did not see visions from the Lord very often. In chapters one and two of first Samuel, we learn that Samuel is the child for which his mother Hannah had prayed. And she promised to loan him back in service to the Lord if she was blessed to have a young boy. As a result, after weaning him for probably a couple of years, maybe two to three years, she and her husband Elkanah brought Samuel back to the temple and allowed Eli to raise him as a Nazarite who was consecrated to the service of God. While they were able to visit him once a year as his parents, as they brought their sacrifices to the temple, Hannah also brought him a new linen ephod each year. Samuel had the love of his parents, but he was shaped in the house of Eli and raised as one of his sons. Now, Eli's own sons had their issues. They were known to have no regard for the Lord or for the duties of priests to the people. They took things that were not theirs. They treated the offerings of the Lord with contempt. His own sons had some issues and problems. But Samuel was young as he began ministering before the Lord and serving as a priest at a very early age. He was active in ministry, but had not yet heard the voice of the Lord, the text lets us know. So this for me and hopefully for you is a clear reminder to us that we can be active in the church and still not have a relationship with God that allows us to discern God's voice when God is speaking. The call narratives within the Bible are rarely answered easily. And because the call for Samuel happens during a time that the Bible tells us God's voice had not been audible, It took a while to realize what was going on. When you read all of that, chapter 3, we see that God calls Samuel four times. The first three times Samuel gets up from where he is asleep near the ark of the Lord and goes to Eli to answer because Samuel hears his name being called but doesn't sense the presence of anyone so we assumed it must have been the prophet Eli. Eli's experiences with God as a now older man, enabled him to finally realize that it was God who was calling Samuel, but it even took Eli, the prophet, three times to get it. God had been silent. Has God been silent in anybody's life recently? And it took a while to remember and realize the sound of God's voice. And so after the third time that he gets up and goes to Eli in response of hearing the call, Samuel, Samuel, he gets coached by Eli to reply, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So the fourth time the text says in verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling as before Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel finally responded, speak for your servant is listening. The text provides a few more details and lets us know that the lamp of God had not gone out yet and so because the oil would normally run out at dawn it's assumed that this was likely happening around midnight or a little later. A knock, a call, a cry at midnight. The destruction that the Lord told Eli about earlier in chapter 2 was finally about to become a reality. It was being confirmed in the word that the Lord gave to Samuel. And we need to know That God is going to speak to us first before confirmation is brought or sent through other people. God will let you know what's coming if you are open to hear it and open to perceive it. The Lord says to Samuel in verse 13, for I've told him, referring to Eli, I'm about to punish him and his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, for the wrongdoing that he knew about, because his sons were blaspheming God and Eli, the man of God, did not Restrain them. So this confirmation from God with the prophet Eli is also a way of revealing and confirming that the role of prophet was being, and the mantle of prophet was being handed to Samuel. God will speak to us, tell us what to do, expect us to make a change, and when we don't, God may move on to use somebody else. As Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermon, A Knock at Midnight, it looks at a request of the traveler who goes to his friend and asks for three loaves of bread. He notes that there are many loaves, King says there are many loaves of bread that are the deep longings for people that were during the 1960s. And I would say that many of these same longings, this need for sustenance, this need for bread, remain with us today because we've not finished getting up and answering the call and answering the cry. King reminds us to be prepared when the knock comes at the door, to share the bread of faith. Especially in a world where people have lost faith in God, lost faith in humanity, lost faith in the future. There also remains a need for us to share the bread of hope where we realize that despite all of our scientific and technological advances that are leading us to places that we've not been able to experience before, there is often a zeal for power associated with these advancements that are leading to imbalance and corruption within our society. And so we must keep hope still at the center despite all of the technology. King also noted that there is a deep longing for the bread of love, where everyone desires to love and to be loved. For when a person feels that they are not loved, they often feel that they don't count, so we need to be able to offer the bread of love. In the parable that's there in Luke, we see that the person knocks at the door of a friend requesting three loaves of bread for the unexpected travelers who have visited him. But his friend gets shut down and his friend shuts him down and tells him that he can't get up at this late hour because his children are asleep with him. What, what an incredible moment and a missed opportunity. To have been able to model for the children that were there with him that love sometimes prompts us up out of our comfort zone to help others in the time of need instead of turning them away. As King looked at the realities of society, he also realized that within the millions of people in America and in other spaces, they were seeking the bread of freedom. And often they found themselves, and this is particularly as King is writing in in the early 60s, knocking at the doors of white churches seeking the bread of freedom. But King says, quote, they were greeted by cold indifference or blatant hypocrisy. This was often because even the white religious leaders who had a desire to open the door at midnight and provide the bread were often, King says, often more cautious than courageous and more prone to follow the expedient than the ethical. In the midnight of wars, the knock at the door, seeking the bread of peace, keeps coming, and it's coming for us today. King was critiquing many of the ways that the church was morally sanctioning war and functioning as a tool of the state because of their silence. King notes that there was also a midnight of economic deprivation where the church was aligning itself to the privileged class. And therefore, as people came knocking at the door, they were seeking the bread of economic justice. King's words and critiques were powerful in 1963. And they are eerily recognizable in their resonance today as we face many of these same challenges. As believers in Christ, we are called to be the church to open the doors to those who are seeking the bread of life. King reminds the church of its duty in words that I'll share here in a slightly extended form. King says, quote, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. If the church does not participate actively in the struggle for peace or for economic and racial justice, it will forfeit the loyalty of millions and cause people everywhere to say that it has as well. But, King says, if the church will free itself from the shackles of a deadening status quo and recovering its historic mission, its great historic mission, will speak and act fearlessly and insistently in terms of justice and peace. It will enkindle the imagination of humanity and fire the souls of people imbuing them with a glowing and ardent love for truth, justice, and peace. He says, people far and near will know the church then as a great fellowship of love that provides both light and bread to lonely travelers at midnight. That's our call. As we prepare to celebrate the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. born today and we will celebrate his life tomorrow, we do so realizing that we again find ourselves in a season of midnight where we ignore the needs of people that are often right around us, as well as those who have been relegated to the margins of society. Although not fully written and published until 1963, King actually outlined this sermon, A Knock at Midnight, around 1958. Not far from the time where he was experiencing his own call of crisis after receiving a telephone call in late January 1956 during the Montgomery bus boycott where he gets this call threatening his life, threatening his family. And he calls out to God in prayer. He's known to say, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right, but I must confess I'm losing my courage. King heard God speak to him in the midnight hour. And he describes that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for truth, stand up for justice, stand up for righteousness. How many times do we miss the voice of God and the presence of God as we're going about our day? We miss as God is pointing things out to us. We must learn to attune our ears to the voice of God, calling us out of a sleep and telling us to speak truth to those who have been allowing injustice to continue on. But not only must we hear God's call, we must have the courage to answer it fully and act in ways that allow the darkness in our society to be penetrated by God's light. So that may mean speaking to people that you don't really want to talk to, because we know that they have some issues but you need to give them the truth anyway so that God's light can penetrate that darkness we must speak truth to our local state and national leaders that enact policies either directly by supporting them or not by rallying by not rallying to oppose them we must speak truth to every area that pulls against the fabric of our society all saints god is still speaking and God is still calling those who will hear the voice of God to do the work of justice rooted in love. Will you answer today? Speak, Lord. We, your servants, are listening. Amen.